morning we're going to look at a phrase that shows up in the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament only two times. And that phrase is pronounced eshet hayel. Can you try to say that? Eshet hayel. The translation we're using in English is that phrase means woman of valor. Think about that word valor. I don't think I've ever used that before. Um, so if you know what it means or have a guess, tell somebody next to you or type your thoughts in the comments. I'd be curious to see what comes to mind um, when you think of the word valor. You might have said something about um, courage or bravery. You might think of someone who's heroic. Boldness or determination might come to mind. Or my favorite when I learned about this word valor is the word fierce. The word valor is strong and it packs a punch. It's not passive at all. So the first place that this phrase, Eshet Hayel, shows up is in the story of Ruth. Um, so let me give you just uh, some bullet points. We don't have time to read the whole story. Uh, so a family of four moves from Bethlehem to Moab to escape a famine. Um, a mom, whose name is Naomi, uh, her husband, and two sons. The two sons marry Moabite woman, and uh, soon after, all three women are widowed. All of the men die. Um, so with no hope of a future in Moab, Naomi and her daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, um, head back to Bethlehem. But along the way, Naomi stops them and says, you should go home. You should go back to your people and back to your gods. Return to your families. And in saying this, she releases them from their marital obligations. So Orpah turns around, but Ruth stays. And she says some of my favorite words in scripture. She says, wherever you go, I go. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Now for Naomi to hear that from Ruth would have been amazing. Ruth came from a different people. Ruth worshipped different gods than the family that she married into. So we know this story is mostly about Ruth, mostly focused on Ruth, but Naomi um, has already had an incredible impact for this Moabite woman to say, I'm going where you're going. Whatever, whatever comes, I'm taking it too. So although... Um, Naomi's late husband had family in Bethlehem. Uh, nobody came forward to help these two women. So Ruth takes the initiative, and the outsider here, right? She takes the initiative to save them from inevitable starvation. She finds food by gleaning fields, um, and they ended up being fields owned by a man named Boaz, who just so happened to be a wealthy relative of Naomi's late husband. And Boaz is really impressed with Ruth. He takes an interest in her welfare. He offers her privileges and protection. And Ruth gets to continue gleaning uh, barley and wheat until the end of the harvest. So the harvest ends about two months probably. And still nobody has come to the aid of these women. So concerned, as she would be, uh, Naomi instructs Ruth to go to Boaz privately. And her intent is to secure a marriage proposal for Ruth. But Ruth goes a step further and petitions Boaz to take the role of kinsman redeemer. And this is a tradition um, where he would be taking responsibility for these destitute relatives. So he would be now responsible for their well-being and to make sure that they um, survive. And Boaz is impressed by Ruth's character and by her loyalty to Naomi. And he agrees. Um, 
So eventually uh, Ruth and Boaz are married and they have a son, and that makes Ruth an ancestor to David, who later becomes a king. So very quick overview of the story of Ruth, but in it you can hear that her story is filled with courage. Her story is filled with determination, and as we learn about Ruth and her mother-in-law Naomi, we find them both to be fierce individuals. They didn't give up easily, ever. Um, They both had experienced incredible loss, right? Their husbands, Naomi, her sons, and they cling to each other and they fight bravely to protect each other. Neither of them cast the other one out. Neither of them wanted to go it alone um, or was willing to go it alone. Ruth takes so many brave steps to care not just for herself, but to those entrusted to her, in this case, her mother-in-law, although she didn't have to. She didn't have any obligation. Remember, Naomi released her from those obligations, but Ruth knew that it was the right thing to do. So Ruth's story gives us our first glimpse into what it means to be an Eshet Hayel. And the second place um, this phrase appears is in Proverbs 31. Um, I'm going to read through the, uh, it's verses 10 through 31. Um, So it is a little long, so hang with me. It says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is far more, she's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night and provides food for her family and portions for her servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all, he says. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Now, we've all heard a lot about the Proverbs 31 woman who does it all, right? She is the golden girl of the Bible. But the unfortunate truth is for many women in the church, Proverbs 31 has been used as a weapon or maybe a tool of manipulation, sometimes overtly, and sometimes it's just impressed. We don't hear much about women like Deborah or Tabitha, Junia, Abigail, Sifra, Pua, Huldah, Leah, or Jael. But we know the job description of the Proverbs 31 woman all too well. 
one quick reading of her accomplishments is just entirely overwhelming. We've been told that it's a checklist and that this is what God and men expect us to be. Get up, go to bed late, work all day, make clothes, invest money, cook the meals, plant a vineyard, help the poor, sew a quilt. Hearing it as a checklist, honestly, I get tired just reading the list. I truly have to be careful to not read it with sarcasm because it makes me so tired. But the best news is that this passage has been misused. This passage is not uh, meant to be used this way. Unfortunately, the church has also used this passage to idolize marriage and child rearing. A lot of this poem gets lost in its translation to English, but even more so when we're reading it, not considering the culture that it's written in. So this morning, let's look at it from the perspective of the Hebrew people. So the first thing that's often missed, and it's, it's so simple, maybe it even sounds silly, is that this is a poem. It's not a to-do list. Eshet Hayel usually gets translated into English as something like good wife, or a capable wife, or a wife of noble character. And this really shortchanges the poem. First, this word should be translated as woman or female, as in, it doesn't matter if you're married or not. Remember how the phrase was used in Ruth's story. I'm sorry, we didn't actually read this part, so you'll have to go back and look at it. Um, but Boaz calls her an Eshet Hayel. Before they're married, before they have children, she doesn't have anything except this courage and valor that God has given her. Your ability to be a woman of valor or to be fully and completely 100% used by God does not depend on your marital or reproductive status, period. Secondly, with this um, phrase, considering it as, as the poem, um, Hayel would be, or is, better translated as valor, which is what we talked about, um, in the same way that they translate this same word when they're talking about men. Other meanings of Hayel um, include strength, ability, wealth, or force. I love that, force. Um, do you hear the difference? Women in the church today are often uh, told or expected to be good and noble and virtuous and nice. Um, and those attributes are fine. I mean, they really, they really are. But do you hear the difference between those things and recognizing the strengths and the ability, the wealth of knowledge, the valor and the force of women? What difference might it make if that's the story that we tell? When was the last time that someone encouraged you to go out and be a force? Women of God, I have to ask, do you believe yourself to be a force, to be a force for God? If this idea makes you uncomfortable, remember that being a force isn't an act of arrogance in this case. It can be. It's not in this case. It's not an act of manipulation. It's not an act of usurping anything because God has given this force. The Eshet um, Hayel is not just any force. She's a force for God. Um, look, look back at verse 26. tells us that her words are full of wisdom and kindness. Those don't come just from her. They come from the Lord. Even better, verse 30 speaks of um, 
the woman of valor's fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord can also be understood as reverence and trust in the Lord. This woman knows that it isn't the work of her hands that makes her successful or a force. It isn't checking off everything down the verses of Proverbs 31. She knows that it's her reliance on God that makes makes her an Eshet Hayel. She isn't using the force to cut anybody down. She's not even using it to put herself above anyone, but rather as a true leader, as a good, real leader, she uses her ability and her strength to express compassion and care. Think about the leaders in your life or the people who say that they're leaders. The ones that you know are good, the ones that you want to follow, that you would you would follow just about anywhere, they aren't ones who are self-serving. They aren't ones who use manipulation. They aren't ones who are in this for themselves. They're the ones who lead with compassion and care. So the second thing that's often missed with this is that this poem was told to a man. Verse 1 of this chapter starts uh, by mentioning that King Lemuel's mother told it to him. He's retelling it here, um, but she didn't tell it to his sisters. She didn't tell it to her daughter-in-law. She told it to him. So right off the bat, we can tell that this isn't a list of instructions or a checklist of what to get done in a day. But why is she telling it to a man? There are a couple different theories um, that I came across, but I was really interested to see. Um, some scholars suggest that King Lemuel's mother used this to discipline him, which I, I just thought was really interesting. We don't know for sure, as, as is true with a lot of the Hebrew scriptures, but it sounds like when Lemuel was disrespectful, his mother made him listen to this poem. When he was rude to a female servant or a teacher, she told him this poem. When he picked on his sisters or an aunt, this got brought up. I just, I just can imagine her in a frustrated tone saying, are you kidding? Where can you find a woman of valor? Look around you. We're everywhere. In traditional Judaism, this poem, Eshet Hayal, is used to praise a woman of valor before the Sabbath meal. It's said or sung, I love that, by the husband or father in the household to his wife and daughters. He does it to praise them. He's not handing out things to do. It's the Sabbath, after all. He's not pointing out areas that the women fell short this week. He's just praising the women in his life. And this is still practiced in Jewish households today. Think about that. Think about the words that these verses contain, the actions that this woman, um, this Proverbs 31 woman does. Those actions mentioned are probably not being done by all Jewish women everywhere today, but it's still the song of praise used to thank them and to honor them. And I think this tells us that it isn't about what you do. It's about how you do it. We aren't called to fulfill every activity found in Proverbs 31, but instead we're called to live with valor. We're empowered and gifted to be fierce and courageous, chasing bravely the desires that God has put in our hearts. This sounds to me a lot like the advice that Paul gives churches um, in the early church when he says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So what if we took back this phrase, Eshet Hayel? I know you've been dying to, you've been wanting to use it every day. Well, now, now you can. This woman of valor phrase, 
What if we used it to complement each other and spur each other on when making decisions instead of thinking about this woman who we can never live up to? Did you figure out where you're going to college? Eshet Chayel. Did you make your first Etsy sale? Eshet Chayel. Did you get your garden planted, even though it's snowing this week? Eshet Chayel. Did you go for a run today? Did you get out of your pajamas today? Eshet Chayel. Absolutely. Did you survive another day in quarantine? It's no easy task. Eshet Chayel. This is not a checklist. We can be inspired by this woman. You might even find a few things in common. You might find a few verses that you think, well, I would like to do that, or I do that, or I, I act that way. That's awesome. That's wonderful. But this passage should never compel us to squeeze all the things into our daily schedule. Instead, let's take away from this eloquent poem why she did what she did. The woman of valor trusts and loves the Lord. And out of that trust and love flows a force that can change the world, even if she never leaves home. Kind of a similar situation that we find ourselves. It's not about what you do. It's not about figuring out exactly what path and taking exactly the right steps at exactly the right time that God has for you. It's not about being perfect and never messing up. It's not about trying something new and being successful right away. It's about doing whatever it is that we do for the glory of God. So as we work to let go of the tendency to view this poem as a to-do list, it's interesting to note the only instructive statement, the only words that say, do this, it's in the last verse. Proverbs 31, 31 tells us to honor her for what she's done. We should honor the women of valor in our lives, including yourself, because God does. Whether or not things have gone smoothly this week, I tell you what, we've had some bumps, and I bet you have too. God smiles on you for the time and the energy and the creativity and the whatever it is you do have to offer right now. However you used whatever you have to bless your family and friends, to study his word, to practice righteous living, to just survive the day, even when things don't turn out perfectly. That's what God does. And that's what he's asking both women and men to do, to stop and say, Eshet Chayel, you are a woman of valor. You are courageous. You are bold. You are strong. You have ability. You are a beloved child of God. You are a force. The woman of valor teaches us that we don't have to stay small. We don't have to follow any path that culture or another person has laid out for us. To be a woman of valor means to be fully reliant on God and to be willing to step into what author Sue Monk Kidd would call the largeness that God has placed in you. This largeness is not arrogance, it's not haughtiness, but it's, the, it's understanding that God has made you full of purpose. And sometimes that can be daunting, it can be overwhelming. But hear the words of the woman of valor in that it's not about figuring it all out, it's about stepping out in faith with God. It's about trusting that God has it. 
and that God has purpose for you. So at the risk of this whole thing sounding like it's just for women, although that might be entirely appropriate and long-awaited, remember that if you aren't a woman, Proverbs 31 is for you also, not just to recognize and call out the amazing ways that God is using women in your life. Um, Please do that. But also to stand up and be a person of valor yourself. You are called to lead with compassion and grace, just like she does. You are called to care deeply and practically for those who are hurting. You are called to have courage in seeking the well-being of your community. Finally, through these women of valor, we see how God fills with purpose, empowers, and is glorified those glorified through those that feel like they don't measure up. The lesson is to stop making less of yourself when God calls you to be a person of valor. This isn't just for some people. This isn't just for the special ones. This is for every person who calls on the name of the Lord. So if you've ever believed you're worthless, that you don't have anything to offer, that you don't have it figured out enough, that you should just sit back and wait or watch because you're not really sure how to live on mission If you've chosen a life of self-service, or if you've chosen just to strive for self-success, don't stay in that place. Don't stay resigned to being small. If anyone has convinced you that you don't have much to offer, they're wrong. Ruth had nothing, but through Naomi, she trusted God and she lived with courage. The woman of valor calls women and men to consider together the tasks of a family and church and community, what they are and how we can share those things together. Nurturing friends and family, taking care of loved ones can be stressful and lonely work. And it's not one limited to gender. It's work for both women and men to take on together. The same for envisioning the future. It can be stressful and lonely work and we're meant to do it together. Making wise use of available resources for either yourself, your household, your church, the community. We're meant to do it together. Caring for the hurting and broken world. We're meant to do this together. This text not only praises women and their God-given boldness, but it presses us to think about partnerships between women and men in the work of the community. And it presses us to consider the value of those and to wonder when we don't see those partnerships happening, when we see, oh, this is men's work, oh, this is women's work, that should make us wonder, why aren't those partnerships happening? And what might God be calling us to take steps towards instead? Really, this this whole text can be interpreted as a sermon on interdependence and partnership. Let it call us not to women's work and men's work, but to needed work that is best accomplished together. Work that, when done for the glory of God, expresses faith, hope, and love in a way that builds up all people and brings all people together. Let's pray. God of glory and grace, your work is done when your people work together. God, today we lift up and honor the Eshet Chayels in our congregation these women who have led with courage and boldness.
And those women who are still stepping into this role, knowing that it's a role you have for them because it's a role you have for every woman. It may look different for every person, but you have called us to live with valor. Amen.